who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at bufferingcast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. And welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey! That's incredible. That's incredible. Thank man. you. That's a, that's, that's work you. out at the gym. That's ab work at the gym. Can you that's, extend it that long? Do you think? It's diaphragm. It's all diaphragm work from college, buddy. Thank you, Lucinda Holshue, wherever you are. Oh my God! Whoa! <laughs> 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 hey, <laughs> hey, you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> college days. Yeah, we are here to uh, spoiler review episode seven of The Last of Us. This one focusing very deeply on the Ellie background and the Ellie storyline here. This is based on the DLC that came out after the game had come out, also based on the comic book that had come out, uh, profiling the background of Ellie's character, what happened with her. 
a lot of the criticisms initially of the game after the game came out was that it was told through Joel's point of view and we didn't get enough of the Ellie background stuff. So the DLC and the combo kind of filled that in. And one of the joys of getting a show like this is that you're able to kind of mix all three of those things together now and create a completely different approach to telling this story. And we're going to dive into it here on the Geek Buddies. But let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and I am a homosexual, and like all other homosexuals, was traumatized last night, and I'm just now getting over my experience watching The Last of Us. Yeah, it's been a tough and- uh, season. It's been a tough season for homosexuals, but we'll get to it. And-, <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. Where you can now see me on Stars in the uh, first season premiere of Party Down. Um, heterosexual, uh, but still traumatized by the episode because it was, uh, you know, it, was very, it was very it was very sad because heterosexual, but I got a heart. It's true. It's true. It's, it's true. true. You do. It's true. You do. I've, 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 I've been told this by, by your wife. <laughs> you could call me a heterosexual. Oh wow. Okay. Nope. Nope. Oh. We're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna pump the brakes. We're gonna pump the brakes on that real quick. Just like the old heterosexual does. Pump, pump. <laughs> that is. That is oh. that is so close. That is so close to uh to all lives matter. I just don't want to touch it. I'm just gonna leave it you're alone. Just, just gonna. You're just you're just loading bullets in the gun. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I promise you, we are gonna be reviewing this episode seven, Left Behind of the Last of Us. Uh, really fantastic episode. I'm gonna break it on down. Um, uh, but we want to also give some love to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us. Here on the Geek Buddies, and certainly a lot of people last night could have used some carbon health. Head on over there if you've got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. If you want to build a healthcare plan that works for you specifically, they're really focusing on mental health stuff now. So they've got some great new programs to help you with your mental health struggles or mental health journey. You can head on over to carbonhealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket for those concerns on the go all right gentlemen you know i love to start talking about uh the overall thoughts before we dive into the specific stuff so michael i'll start with you as i said episode seven left behind here we get ellie and riley storm reed coming in to play riley and this relationship is the majority of this episode yes there's a uh opening and back-ended scene with joel as it's connected to what develops here in this relationship with riley and uh and ellie so talk to me your overall thoughts uh, beyond the trauma or mention the trauma if you like it but like beyond the trauma what your overall thoughts here with this episode it was great i mean we i was i was uh watching it with some of my boys over here and mm. uh everybody was everybody loved it i mean i think that if we talk about this a lot this is absolutely last of us is 100 percent hands down the best video game adaptation of any video adaptation video game adaptation we've seen i can't think of anything that comes close and i think part of the reason is that they have just focused fully on character and emotion that Mm -hmm. this is a show that some of the best episodes have no infected or virtually no infected in them. Like this is a story about Joel. This is a story about Ellie. This is about these characters. And this show takes the time 
to tell these very touching, very beautiful stories. And so watching this story of Ellie and Riley together, uh, their last night together, their last night as kids, the slow moment of like, and like this was watching it with a bunch of gay guys who I think I was probably the only one. Um, I didn't, I, I never got to the DLC, but I know hmm. what happens in the DLC. So I knew that there was a crush happening, but watching all my other gay friends watch this hmm. and see all the things that every single gay person in their life has experienced when you sort of have a crush on your friend, but you don't know how to bring it up and you're sort of feeling weird, like at watching one, every one of them one by one sort of realize what was happening. You were like, they're nailing this moment in, uh, in Ellie's life. And it yeah. was beautiful. It was heartbreaking. And it also, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. Twitter was really split last night as far as some people were like, this was beautiful and traumatized. And some people were like, this was a boring episode that had nothing to do with the rest of the show. And wow. I think that that's, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, but yeah. because watching what Ellie went through with Riley so informs the decision she makes with Joel, so informs the relationship with Joel 100%. and yeah. – also watching this moment with this this night with Riley when you go back and watch those previous episodes it just it makes everything hit harder it makes her yeah. reading the puns to Joel hit harder it makes her reading the comic book with Sam hit harder like there are so many things that she mentions throughout and most importantly even though we don't see it when she tells Joel that that dude in Kansas is not the first person she killed yeah she's talking about Riley yeah. And so just it this this episode was so great because it informs so much going forward, but it also informs so much in the past that we've already seen. It was just a plus. It might be my favorite since episode three. Wow. Wow. That's a strong comment. OK. Yeah. I mean, we see her down in the um, in the basement there or when she's having the fight, we see her stabbing that infected person in the head. And certainly when we saw her episodes ago, when she was down in the basement, of that convenience store getting the pads and we see that infected person in the wall she knew exactly how to stab that i remember stab that per that infected person and i remember making a comment about that when we were doing the review a few episodes ago and felt like this had been her first time and clearly we see to uh, in this episode that it wasn't for sure there was a lot that went on here shen a lot of you know your new love young love being you know even in the in the fiery wasteland post-apocalyptic everyone's getting infected we still can find new love in this situation. So what do you think about this um, uh, this episode overall and how it informed the overall series so far? I mean, along with the stuff that Vogel already mentioned, yeah. um, I, I like that we got a peek into what it's like growing up in a FEDRA-controlled uh, QZ, which is yeah, something right. we hadn't really seen before. You see that they do, ha they do have school. You see they, they do have bullies. In this, and how and how Ellie had to learn to to stand up for herself because Riley was gone, um, and also the very uh, frank conversation she had with uh, Kwong, the guy who's in charge, Captain. and seeing that he's that he's acknowledging how smart she is, being like you've got two paths, and when we find out later that Riley didn't seem like she was offered that, mm -hmm. how how she how Riley was viewed by Kwong. Mm -hmm. um, and just the whole derelict mall episode, along with it being just really, really sweet. And you see this sort of awe and wonder from Ellie, like seeing these things that she's only read about. Um, the, the, they, along with that, they had two tremendous 
scares. Yeah. Um, which we'll, you know, we'll talk about when we get to. Like I was I was planning to watch the episode this morning right before we recorded, and I was unable to sleep last night. So around four in the morning, I'm like, ah, let me go lay down on the couch and turn on The Last of Us. And right close to the beginning, I'm like, well, this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to turn the volume way down. Um, but then uh, but but then still, you know, was able to get through the episode. Um, but yeah, just again, I I think this is another really, really solid episode. And you see all the things that are the some of the lessons that Ellie has learned that she is now applying in her day to day life with Joel. Yeah, I think, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, we're three dudes talking about this uh, particular episode that focuses on uh, two young women kind of exploring this idea of young love or first love. So uh, I, I'm always I'm going to be curious to see what, what our thoughts on it. But there's a universal thing that you connect to here is being a teenager, yeah. being a teenager, experience, even experiencing the mall for the first time as a teenager. Remember, the 90s were huge for the mall culture. I loved walking malls. I enjoyed walking malls. And so it was cool to go and see. The, the, I would usually go to a new town and go to the mall. That's the first thing I would do to see what they have. So, was, so to, see, have, to see them grabbing that and, and kind of diving into that and seeing what that's all about, the carousel, all of those things, the different stores, which stores were looted, which weren't, the Victoria's Secret moment. And then, of course, them having these will-they-won't-they they kind of moments in a microcosm here, just in this one night, the multiple will they, won't they, until they actually do, and then what that leads to, there's so much here that I thought was really well paced out, constructed, and very universal, so that we could all could uh, connect to the characters here and understand what a first kiss is like when you're shy, when you're getting close to somebody, are they feeling what I'm feeling, and then having that being consummated and confirmed, and unfortunately before mm -hmm. you both uh, experience the life and death moment that happens right afterwards. But all of it's so well done and very well acted by both uh, um, uh, Storm Reed uh, there and Bella Ramsey. So just fantastic work overall here in this episode. So uh, let's dive into the specifics, though, because uh, we'll get into all of this here. We start off with uh, seeing some empty houses, blood-soaked winter walkways, leading us to Joel and Ellie in the farmhouse. Joel is struggling as Ellie tends to him. He tells her to leave him to go north to find Tommy, and she has a look of defiance on her face, which we've seen many times, pauses at the door, and this leads us into a flashback to, as, as uh, Shannon mentioned here, Ellie growing up in a military school in the QZ. She's getting bullied by this Bethany girl who rips off her Walkman. For you young kids out there, Sony Walkmans were just gold to have, for God's sake. So it was great to see one of those old ones. Uh, she refers to Ellie's missing friend and gets her ass knocked out for it. We go to Captain Kwong's office, which Shannon also mentioned, who offers Ellie two paths, the grunt life or the officer life. Let me tell you something. As someone who served in the military, those two paths are legitimate paths. And what he was talking about, where someone who is way less intelligent than you sometimes is in charge of you, that is the grunt life. Whereas in the uh, officer life, you are a lot more pampered but you're also expected to do more and swallow more and make decisions that will affect you in your life as well. But he puts that down and he sees that uh, she is a leader and she chooses the keys, quote unquote, the officer's life. And we cut to her back in her room and she's reading her comics and we see the pun book. We see her cassette tapes, which feature Aha and Etta James and other artists. She has a knife at her bedside. She looks to the empty bed across the room and uh, goes to bed. Suddenly, around 1.30 in the morning, somebody comes into the room, shocks her awake, and we find out that it is Riley and that she's been gone for three weeks. She's joined the Fireflies, and she wants to take Ellie out for a fun time. Ellie resists, 
but eventually does uh, acquiesce and go with her. We have this moment here where she makes uh, Riley turn around while she changes, which is interesting because that's kind of a tease initially of her being shy to show her body to someone who she might have feelings for. So I found that to be a great universal moment as well. They climb out and talk about Bethany. Riley is trying to school Ellie about when to fight, not to fight, which is new stuff that she is learning. They go into a building, come upon a dead guy in a hallway, take his liquor and then fall through the and watch the body fall through the floor. I had breaking bad flashbacks to the first episode or second episode when you have all that blood coming through the, uh, when the tub goes through the floor. So I had that kind of flashback. They go into a building, come upon, uh, I said this already, they share swigs of liquor on the roof from the dead guy's bottle. We hear about Riley's parents who are dead. Riley gives her a, uh, gives Ellie a, her gun to inspect because Ellie has this fascination with guns. It's her first time holding a gun at this point. And later on, uh, if we remember episodes before, her and Joel had that interaction about her wanting to carry a gun and have a gun with her. They debate Fedra versus the Fireflies for a bit until... They hit the mall. So let's stop there. Uh, gentlemen, this whole opening here with Joel and Ellie. Joel, once again, trying to pawn her off on Tommy, trying to get her out of there, and her stopping at the door and refusing to go, but then flashing back to, as Shannon mentioned here, this life, this military life of her. She's running around. We've all been in those PE classes where we have to run endlessly around in those gray outfits and or whatever outfits you wear that day. But her getting bullied, her clearly her having a friend there who fought her battles for her, but the Captain Kwong alluding to her being a leader, which is yet another thing that reinforces the fact that Joel and others have seen her have this possibility, have seen her abilities come through, her natural tendency to not take any shit and to go forward and to, to confront things. She's not afraid to do this. We see all of that leading to uh, Riley showing up, and then we head to the mall. So, Mikey, what did you think about this opening for this particular episode, laying a little bit of groundwork, but also referencing stuff from episodes we've seen before? Yeah, I liked it because, I mean, up to this point, Fedra has just sort of been faceless government bad guys who are hanging mm. people. And I think getting a little bit of a, uh, well, where are these soldiers coming from? Oh, okay, right. well, kids who are orphaned, kids who don't have anywhere else to go, they're like raising them and they're going to become the Fedra officers. And I thought the scene with Quam was really interesting because he wasn't really a bad guy. No, I mean, obviously, bigger that. picture, Fedra's bad. Like, Fedra's not do Fedra's hanging people. But his his argument to Ellie, it, which yeah. is, yeah, is someone's got to do something. And yeah. if we are not there, everyone's going to go crazy. And we've seen Kansas City. And, we're yeah, he's not wrong. Um, so I think – and I think one of the big differences from the game um, in this episode is that Ellie isn't necessarily against Fedra at this point. Like this whole scene with Quan where he's like, look, here's a life that you can have now compared to what we can get, what, what we can choose in our lives, following our dreams, moving to a new city, going on some big adventures. Like it sounds pretty shitty, but that's about as good as it can get in the QZ. Like, you know, being an officer, getting to tell people what to do, getting pampered because, you're going to get the higher end of stuff and the other people below you aren't going to get it. Like that is kind of the best life she can get. So given the options she has before her, you understand why you get later in the episode and she and Riley get to have this sort of political uh, divide, yeah. which is again, like different from the game, which I thought really was interesting to have these two people that clearly wanted to be together, but she, like Ryle, Ryle, Ellie wasn't ready to make that jump to the fireflies. So I thought that was really, really interesting. So I thought that scene was really good. Um, 
what I, I think that sneaking up on somebody in a post-apocalyptic infected <laughs> zombie universe is a bad decision. But I also, and Shannon can probably attest to this, would probably be the guy that would do that. Like I would sneak up on Shannon and like wake him up and be like, ah, and he would scream and I would laugh and it would be really funny. And then he would be like, don't fucking do that. And then I would tell the story for years and years and years. So uh, I thought it was great. I think everything about this, like you were right, John, when you were talking about the mall and you were talking about everything, I realized that from the moment that Riley and Ellie get together and go on this adventure, basically this episode is a post-apocalyptic John Hughes movie. Yeah, like that's what this like that's what this episode is, and that's why it works is because the moment Riley shows up and she's like, "Hey," and Ellie's like, "I got to get up in the morning," and she's like, "Come out with me. We're gonna have the best night ever." And they roll around town. They get some liquor. They drink the liquor. They're on this adventure. She's like, "I've like I've got this. I've got this surprise for you." Uh, and they hit the mall. Like the whole thing is. Like, even the dead guy that they find, it's not, like, traumatic for them. Like, they live in the QZ. They're like, oh, there's a dead guy. Um, I do think it's interesting when we get to the end of the episode and what Riley says to Ellie after they both get bit, that we do have a guy who clearly chose to end his life here. I mean, that's kind of the conversation. Like, she's like, doesn't he know what those pills would do? And she's like, I think he knew what he was doing. So the fact that you had someone who, for whatever reason, chose to end his life when this whole episode is about whether you have two minutes, two days, two months, two years, just keep going, I thought was really interesting. But yeah, so like this just kicks us off into the ultimate John Hughes movie in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Shannon, do you agree? Does it feel like a John Hughes movie, maybe with the uh, uh, stress factor turned up to 11? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was my thought as well. Like, oh, this is Ellie's day off, um, you know, <laughs> except except it's at night and they don't have a Ferrari. Um yeah, I mean the 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 entire setup, the 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 force with which Joel pushes Ellie away. Yeah. Um. Again, I, that's I wouldn't say that's Pawnee. I think like this he he really cares about her, and he also knows I am completely helpless to do mm. anything for you right now. My my want, my objective is to get you to safety, and the safety that I know that is closest is Tommy. Tommy in this in this town where you will be taken care of. But you, you know, you just see the the I think the love in each other's eyes. I mean, the whole time that she's like she's expressing love the way she knows how, and she's trying to fix him. Yeah. And even as she's telling him to shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Um, it's the, you know, it is just this high stakes emergency of like, okay, this is I have to save this person. Um, and, and then watching it go back again, I I thought the the uh, peek behind the curtain of Fedra was really, really um really necessary because i think it does give you a face to this up to this point that has been this faceless villain and having kwong be such a low-key seemingly rational guy like you know i've done the worst thing that i can do to you three times it hasn't worked so now i'm just going to lay out here are your choices and even though like we know that fedra has done a really bad job and that it would be better if something were to take its place, it's like that doesn't just happen overnight. Um, the fireflies are viewed as, uh, at least at this point, the fireflies are viewed as anarchists. Like, Paris, like what really? do you, yeah. yeah, what do, what do you think they're going to do? Like, they're not going to be able to help this situation. Even though we're not great, we're the only thing that's keeping everything together. So it was just a really, really fascinating scene. And you see that resignation on Ellie's face that maybe this is the first time that someone, someone in, in a position of authority has gotten through to her, yeah. where he's like, here's what you can do. Um, flash forward to the scene where Riley 
chooses to wake her up. Now she doesn't, she didn't go ah, the way Vogel would have done it to me, but I do think waking someone up that you want to remain quiet, maybe waking them up with your hand over their mouth. Yeah. Maybe not the best, <laughs> maybe not the best approach. Um, but also I, I can also see in Riley's point of view, like if I gently tap you, you're very, po- you very possibly could grab this knife and immediately and immediately shank me. Um, Plus she just got in a fight with Bethany. So she doesn't even know if that's Bethany coming through to kick her ass she, or something. Yeah. She's on high alert. I mean, the moment where they come up on that dead guy, because seeing, you know, with everything that's led up to this point in the season, I'm like, do not approach a dead person. (laughs) Like Riley just said, that guy wasn't there yesterday. I'm like, this is a terrible idea. And so this is where I turn the volume down real low because I'm like, because my wife's asleep in the bed in our bedroom. And I'm like, well, this is probably going to be a loud sound. And depending on the nature of that loud sound, I may, I may make an equal or louder sound. So seeing that body drop, I mean, that was just a great, that was a great jump scare Mm -hmm. moment that I got to appreciate fully this morning when I rewatched the episode. (laughs) Um, The whole thing with them getting, getting to the mall, just that sense of awe Mm -hmm. that. That, that that you saw you see on Ellie's face this thing that she is only she's only read about in books she's only heard about in stories from people who are older than her like it was just it was just kind of so magical and and beautiful yeah I really enjoyed the opening as well I thought we got it's nice to get uh, a different point of view you know we we talk about these shows and we say all the time how it's great that they show the other side like villains aren't just villains anymore. A lot of our entertainment, a lot of our great entertainment nowadays is we're really challenged as viewers to see things from multiple perspectives and has multiple layers to it. Yeah. And Captain Kwong comes off like a nice guy, like a decent guy who's trying to do the right thing for her. But of course he banishes, we find out later, he banishes Riley to, to sewage detail. So, so again, two different perspectives on a guy. He seems to be this. And of course, People default to these generalizations. Oh, the military. Oh, the government. Oh, this. And the truth is there's much more layers to it. Human beings are involved in it. So there's going to be conflicting points of views and conflicting actions and reasons for these actions. So there's more There's more to kind of think about. And I like that they kind of flesh that out a little bit here with the glimpses that we got of the federal life and growing up on the military. Because military, do, people do think this is the right way to go because there's, stuff is regimented. You know where everything goes. There's no need for any kind of rebellion because we got everything squared away. But people haven't, especially Americans, they have a natural impulse to rebel against that kind of stuff. It's ingrained in our culture. We are a country born of a revolution. So it just, it's in there. And so naturally the pushback and pull of it all is great. So to have that come out in their philosophical discussions, which happens more than once throughout the episode, I thought was really great to see because as you're experiencing young love at that age for the first time, you're also experiencing the idea of the world and the political points of views you might have about the world if you're even remotely inclined to be connected or interested in that kind of stuff. That's also when your mind is opening up to trying to think about how things work and how they don't work in the world. So I like that we got to see samples of all of that here in this opening. Yeah, oh, you're right, Shannon. Joel and Ellie, certainly Joel pushing her away. You know, literally pushing her away is uh, is that uh, idea of him wanting to protect her and keep her from being there to guide over him while he's dying and, and all of that. She, he wants her to be safe, but she's going to do her thing. She's becoming a Joel, right? So if Joel wouldn't leave Ellie behind, 
just like Ellie wouldn't leave Joel behind. And I love that it's a little bit of a juxtaposition as we see in our own lives, right? Eventually the children become the caretaker of the adults, whereas the adults were caretaking us for so long, eventually the, the, the tide shifts, you know? And so that's what you're seeing a little bit of a microcosm as well throughout. But Storm Reed is such a fantastic actress. What a genius decision. And I'm glad they got her to come in and play this character and have the back and forth with her. And I was reading an interview with uh, uh, with her, and she said that she had no idea about the game, had never played the game, never heard of the game. But when she read the script, she reached out to her brothers who, and friends at USC who played the game, and they were all talking about how great the game is. And so she knew she had to bring a little more depth and a little more complexity and a lot of her talent to this role to really bring out and flesh out the relationship and the connection here with Ellie, which is very very easy and seamless and organic we see here in the opening, which I love as well. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump into everything going on at the mall right after this. It's great. All right, anyway, uh, let's move on here. So we get to the mall. Riley sends Ellie through some doors, and Riley turns on the mall for Ellie. And we see, I mean, it's Bella does such a great job with her face conceiving of the mall for the first time, like seeing it all light up, even as it's ratted out, even as it's post post to whatever you want to say, post fungalitic, whatever you want to say there. It's it's incredible (laughs) her face as she's seeing it all. Ellie playing on the escalator is so cute. We see a Dawn of the Wolf 2 part a part two poster, which I think is a game reference, Michael. I think it's just because we get the Dawn of the Wolf in the game, but this is Dawn of the Wolf, the sequel, which may be a reference to the fact that this is a second version of the story that we're watching. We hear about the looting. We see some, and we have some Victoria's Secret commentary there. Uh, Ellie lingers there for a moment, looking at herself in the window, which I think is fantastic as well as a young person kind of glimpsing themselves and what they want to be and do i look good enough for her in that moment those kinds of things may be going through her head riley takes her to a carousel takes ellie to a carousel and they ride around to a muzak version of the cures just like heaven which is about running away to get and this idea of losing someone as well so just very interesting choices of music here the carousel stops and ellie and her discuss how riley will be 17 soon and as i mentioned we mentioned that uh, we hear that captain kwan has essentially signed her to have sewage detail there in the QZ. They take pictures in a picture booth, which Ellie thinks is a time machine. They walk over to arcade and they play Mortal Kombat. Remember, in her room, she has a picture of Mortal Kombat 2 or something like that. So this may be her first uh, glimpse of playing Mortal Kombat. And uh, just as we're having some fun, we go into a toy store and see a fungal creature come to life. And Ellie finally wins and they almost share a kiss. But Riley walks away, and then Ellie, in a bit of uncomfortableness, says, "Uh, you know what, I just want to head back. But Riley says she's got a gift for her. They go to the food court. We find out that Riley's been staying in that food court, and she has a volume two of the pun books. Uh, And then Ellie kind of is looking around while she's reading the puns and finds that Riley has these bombs and confronts Riley about these bombs. Say these are bombs to kill soldiers. And we see the back and forth with them about, well, wouldn't kill you. Oh, yeah, they're going to listen to you. Um, and her saying, well, we don't do so both kind of having this argument about what their roles are in this situation and how they might actually be in conflict with each other down the road if they were to keep going down their paths. Um, Riley tells her that she's leaving after tonight to go to the Atlanta QZ. 
She wanted Ellie to go with her, but Marlene said no. Interesting. The mystery of Marlene continues. Uh, we've only seen her once in this whole season so far. Riley says it's her last night in Boston. Ellie asks why Riley wanted to see her. Riley says it's to say goodbye. Then Ellie's defense mechanism kicks in, and she storms out saying goodbye. She almost walks out, then turns around and goes back to Riley. We hear some screaming from a store. She runs then, thinking Riley's in trouble, but Riley's actually just sitting there, and that was just some Halloween, Halloween mechanism there. She's sitting on the ground in the store. Riley sees the possibility of new family with the Fireflies. That's why she's joining the Fireflies. Ellie wants to know if she's sure. She says yes. Ellie puts on some, or Riley puts on some Etta James music on the Walkman, on Ellie's Walkman, while they dance around with these masks, which are the same masks that, or that, yeah, that they were wearing in the game. Uh, if you play the DLC, suddenly Ellie stops, uh, or suddenly they take off the masks. Ellie stops and asks Riley not to go and kisses her. And she's a little embarrassed by it, but they have a nice moment of young love. And then, bang, an infected motherfucker steps out, knocks out Riley while Ellie fights him off. Uh, and then eventually Riley knocks it off once she comes to and almost kills Riley. And then Ellie stabs it in the head after she had been stabbing it in the side before and realizes how to kill one of these things. Ellie is bit for the first time, and so is Riley. And the reactions here are incredible to both of them realizing that they've been bit. Um, I'm going to stop there and then we'll, we'll hit the last few beats afterwards. So Shannon, I go to you. What, as, as Michael mentioned, the John Hughes in, in last of us, the John Hughes movie breaking out in the last of us, this young love kind of burgeoning throughout this whole mall and the way they're experiencing the mall, getting to do it by yourself, play as many video games for as long as you want, seeing the different stores, but also them having conversations about the, political points of views, her from being in, in the military federal situation, Riley from breaking out from that, going to the fireflies uh, and then ending up with this beautiful kiss between them. That is just, that is uh, interrupted by this uh, fungal zombie and they fight him off knowing they've both been bit by the end there. What do you think of this? The whole thing was just a great, great little adventure that mm. they had. I mean, again, the moment that Riley threw on the power and you got to see this shot that, you know, the approaching lights switching yeah. on. Um, that's one of those shots that I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is a green screen shot. I'm like, I don't think they shot an in an entire mall like that, that they had just kind of different, different sets kind of set up. Um, but it was just a beautiful, gorgeous shot. And the moment that the escalator turns on and just the fascination in Ellie's face. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's akin to the fascination when she's talking with uh joel and tess about planes like mm. you know you, you used to fly in the air like that's crazy and s seeing the, her reaction to witnessing something firsthand yeah. was just really really cool but also you find out the things that people when they started to loot when the world started to fall apart you know you think about you know what we went through with people going nuts over toilet paper like yeah good point people were you know i mean and you look at Foot Locker and it's gone but there's plenty of lingerie but it was so funny the way um because obviously i know that as as they're both you know it this this is a burgeoning romance mm. um even when it's, you know, it's not two gay kids, it's two straight kids. Like you still have those little, little uh, uh, breadcrumbs that you throw out. Like, hmm. let me see if they respond to this here. And the whole thing, Riley talking about like, oh, I was just picturing what you would look like in this. Like, it's sort of negging. It's sort yeah. of like, ah, can we start a conversation here? I mean, it's very reminiscent of things that I certainly did as, as a teenager. Yeah. But um, I love how it was 
and, and again, I don't know if this is from the game, but talking about the four wonders of the mall and mm. LA thinking, well, the escalator had to have been one. It's like, okay, we'll say five wonders of the mall, but just, yeah, just the gorgeous carousel shot. Um, yeah, it was just it was just magical. It was just young love. And it was just, you know, as as the show has uh, shown us repeatedly, <laughs> the moment that you start to feel good about something, something terrible is is about to come around the corner. Um, the whole thing with like the, the book, the 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 uh, the pun book. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw on the bottom said this otter be good. Oh, my God. So I, I caught that. I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, oh god <laughs> i went back to make sure that that's what it said. Like, like, this is what i think it said but let me just let me just check because the cover was faded um the moment that uh um ellie decides like okay i've 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 kind of had enough and starts to leave and then comes back and she sees those those bombs and like it's yeah. that heartbreaking heartbreaking realization for her that oh no my friend has been radicalized mm. which the way she has been brought up that's what it is as you said john they're terrorists they're yeah. anarchists um from Fedra's point of view right right from Fedra. from fed yeah well that's that's the line that fedra yeah. is throwing to their people it's like the, right. these folks are bad um but then watching Ellie come back and seeing the Halloween store hmm. and the, that moment that they put the masks on. And it, it's so crazy that, and granted, I think part of it is an audience. We, we get a sense of what's happening um, as they're dancing around and you see Ellie's dancing kind of stop. And hmm. we know, we know what she is thinking. Like we can read her face without seeing her face. Like, Oh, she's, she's mm-hmm. going to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you see this, you know, just really, really sweet kiss between these two young people. And then, yeah, then the, the fungal zombie shows up uh, uh, the, the ultimate, the ultimate uh, cock blocker, <laughs> um, a, a fungal zombie coming in. Um yeah, and then just knowing that, again, having not played the game, not playing the DLC, knowing like we don't really know what's a, like we know Ellie's going to make it out, mm. but is this is this where she loses Riley? And in a way, like it it is the beginning of that loss. And as you said, John, looking at the different ways that they they deal with the fact of being bit. I mean, uh, Bella Ramsey's. That scream oh, man. that she has—that right. it's not just that she has she has been infected by this thing that she has been taught from a, a, a child. Like this is the worst thing that can happen to you. But also, she just hit her peak as a person. She's mm. like, I've just I've just made a yeah. connection yeah. made a connection with someone that I've never made before, and now it's going to be done. And so you just hear the the anger the sadness the frustration the rage at having grown up and gotten this close to the thing that you want and now it's going to be snatched away i mean just really really great and and the same side um storm reads performance as well that mm. sort of resignation that this is it like there's yeah. there's nothing else we can do um you just see the two ends of of how someone deals with tragedy Yeah, I read a fantastic review by a guy named Darren Mooney who writes for The Escapist, and I was just blown away by him making certain connections. And one of the things that stuck out out to me from this review was that he connected the stuff in Stand By Me to this 
episode. Mm-hmm. So where in one side, and of course, Michael, I want to chime, I want you to chime in on this uh, the stuff here that happened. But like on one side, yes, absolutely a John Hughes movie. But on the other side, the fact that they find a dead body right off the bat, what that leads to in terms of conversation, but then what that specter of it all and how in Stand By Me, them going after the dead body kind of brings them together, but it opens them up to the dangers of the outside world. They're glimpsing it for the first time as young kids. And you're seeing here in the show as well how they have this beautiful romance and uh, this burgeoning ro- young romance, rather, and it might happen, it might flourish at this point, even amidst all the madness. Um, but the reality of the dead body, the reality of the fungal body, which is essentially a living dead body, is there t- for them to, to to destroy that idea or to endanger that idea. So I love that that's all kind of permeating yeah. here throughout, Mike. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, John Hughes, Stand By Me, Stephen King's It. I mean, like all of these Ooh. stories that are coming of age stories for kids um, and Stephen King's It particularly is like where, where is, is akin to Last of Us where it's like, let's take that coming of age story and let's put it in the worst possible environment yeah. and putting it in the worst possible environment in a way. And I think this is really what Last of Us is about. Putting something so innocent and beautiful as a coming of age story, as a romance in the worst possible environment kind of makes it shine brighter. Yeah, like oh, yeah. Bella, Bella, uh, uh, Bella, Ellie, and Riley um, meeting each other in real life, no zombie apocalypse, kind of having a crush on each other, spending a day at a mall could be yeah. lovely, but doing it in this environment makes it magical. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it just makes it so much more powerful. Um, a couple things. Uh, Shannon, Shannon had a lot of stuff, but one thing, because I was thinking as you guys were talking, and it is uh, one of the things that's great about specific uh, uh, is, is when you can take something and make it very specific and also universal. Because you two are right. Whether you're gay or straight, every single one of us, particularly when we were younger, had a crush on somebody. We weren't sure if they felt the same way. We threw those little things out there to kind of see what their reaction would be. We bump into them. We, like, hold on to them because we trip a little bit. Like, everybody has done that. So no matter what your orientation is, there's a level that you can relate. I think what I was watching last night, watching it with my friends, is there's another layer to this when you're gay. Because when you were, when all of us did that when we were kids, but when you were gay and in the closet and you did that, there was a lot more at stake because when you're straight, you go, Hey, I like you. And the worst thing that's going to happen is rejection. But when you are gay, Hey, I like you. You might get rejected, but also you have now told everybody your deepest, darkest secret that you are afraid to tell anybody in the entire universe. So the breadcrumbs that you're throwing out there and seeing if they're reciprocated are a lot scarier to do. And so watching them sort of navigate that, it's great because it is universal. But every gay person that I know was like, oh, 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 shit. Like it just kind of takes on this other level. So and I think they both did such a fantastic job with that. I think, uh, Shannon, you said it like uh, Bella Ramsey's face acting in this entire episode, her wonder at seeing an escalator, her excitement at the arcade, every single time that she lingers on Riley, like when Riley looks away and she kind of lingers on her, the entire uh, carousel scene where she's just kind of looking at Riley the entire time, like it's just so beautiful. Um, And then I think it's really interesting because you do see this really specific moment. It's at the arcade when they almost kiss. Mm-hmm. And then Riley kind of pulls away and they don't do it. And that's when uh, that's when Ellie's like, I got to go home. 
Like, yeah. I think she's like, she, she was like, what's going to happen here. And she kind of like, it didn't quite happen. And she was like, I don't know what's going on. I got to get out of here. Um, right. and then that leads ultimately to this big debate about Fedra versus the fireflies. And I think it's really, you know, like we talk about this a lot in life and with politics and the world that we live in right now, red States and blue States, but it's so easy to sort of just pick your side. And, you know, Ellie, at least at this point is very much like, Hey, she, she just parrots back what Quan says, like, Hey, we, Fedra is the only thing keeping this together. And Riley is like, this is not great. Like, this is not a life that we want to lead. Like the, the fireflies are fighting for this, but Ellie's right that the fireflies are blowing people up. And Riley's right that Fedra might be keeping it together, but they're not keeping it together in the best way. So it was interesting to see these two kids sort of trying to navigate something that even most adults can't figure out, which is why a lot of the time we're in the state that we're in in this country. So, you know, I like to take to take that idea, put two people at these opposing sides. And again, even though they are on these opposing sides the thing that ultimately keeps them together is love. Like Ellie does storm off. Ellie's like, I'm out of here, but she just can't leave Riley. Like, and and this is that key moment because this is exactly why she's having this memory at this point in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, we open with Joel being like, get out of here, leave me. And she thinks back to that time that she almost left Riley and she didn't. And she went back. And then I just laughed because even in a zombie apocalypse, apparently the spirit Halloween store lives on. You just can't get rid of that spirit (laughs) Halloween store. It a lot of things, a lot of things go away. A lot of things go away, but the spirit Halloween store still going strong guys. Still open, um, still open. It's but still open for business. The American <laughs> doll store as well. So yeah, yeah. American dolls in the spirit Halloween store, guys. You can't, you can't. Nothing's gonna keep them down. Um, but yeah, I mean that whole scene was great. The Etta James song, amazing. And then Shannon, a hundred percent agree with what you said. That watching them dance and even without seeing Ellie's face, that moment that she slows down, you're like. She's she's feeling it. She's going for yep. it. She's going for it. it. Um, and it it's just lovely. And then yes, as we have been trained over and over again in zombie movies, uh, this is the moment where everything is gonna go to shit. Because this is the best. This, hey, you did it. You guys both kissed. What comes next? We're gonna figure this out together. It's beautiful. It's almost like line for line from the game, and then it all goes to shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, there's so much here. It's almost like high school, right? Because she's 17. That's, that's like when you're becoming that senior and you're going to leave high school. And she's staying behind. She's 15. So it's a different kind of dynamic there. The Storm, or sorry, um, uh, Riley is glimpsing what her future is. And it's being in charge of people shoveling shit. And that is not a life that she wants to lead. So she breaks out of it. She thinks she can be more. She's destined for more. And you say how, uh, Michael, you said how um, Ellie is parroting what Captain Kwan said. Well, uh, in a way, um, Riley is parroting what Marlene told her. And even is kind of pseudo-dressed yeah. like her. So probably influenced by that as well. So again, these young people taking the authority figures' points of views and incorporating them because they're not fully processing all the things. They haven't exposure to everything yet. So they're going to grab on to things that they think are, are codes or ethos that work for them at that time all young people do that all it's the rarity the young person who knows everything at 17 years old really rare so it's like this or 15 so it's it's see them kind of conflicting philosophies which i like 
uh, permeating throughout this in how they interact with each other. Um, and, you know, Riley may be herself even afraid to give in to this because she's about to leave. You know, we're so focused on Ellie's emotions. What about Riley's emotions? What she's thinking, yeah, I want to give her one last night because I do love her, but I'm not sure how I feel about it 100%. Do I want to consummate this or not? Because if I do, then I leave right afterwards. What's that going to do to me? I can't. I tried to have them take you, but Marlene said no, ironically. Um, and so I've got to decide if I want to dive into this so that when Ellie is the one that makes the step and takes the chance, because that's so Ellie, Ellie will take the chance. Ellie will walk into the dangerous situation. Ellie will go pushing forward because that's how she's built naturally. Even though she may be hesitant about it, she will go forward. And that's what caused all this stuff to happen. You know, when you get the glimpse also into Ellie's defense mechanisms, right. Which is to run or walk like initially, like you mentioned the scene in mortal Kombat. When they don't kiss, Ellie's like, I gotta get back. I gotta go back. It's a defense mechanism, yeah. right? When she finally says goodbye to her, Ellie says, Well, you did it. It was really easy for you. Storms off, knocks over a trash can to show her defiance, but then stops, comes back because she does care about her. So there is that whole thing permeating throughout this. And also, the choice of the music, I think, is really important. Yes, Aha is an easy choice. Take on me. Everybody knows that song, but that song is also about this idea of trying to get to somebody that you love, trying to get them back, trying to hold on to them one last time, just like heaven is this idea of running away. And um, uh, the Etta James song, which is the one that uh, Sonny and Cher made very famous, is about young love. They say we're young. We don't know, you know, but in time we'll grow. Keep going. Keep going. That Come idea. On. Well, I don't Come see on, get it. With the idea. Come on. You got you know, it. You almost coming, got it. <laughs> they're coming together there. Just saying, I love the choice and the smartness. By the way, I want to throw a real quick fact in before we jump off to our next section here. During an interview with the insiders, uh, Palmer Hash, the production owner, John Paino, estimated they created about 40 stores to in a completely stripped out mall in Canada. So they built that whole thing and put 40 stores into that thing. And they don't, they only shot like in what three or four of the stores or five of the stores. So it's really incredible. The attention, the detail that they made to bring that mall to life uh, for this uh, meat bet, of this episode. I bet they didn't have to build the spirit Halloween store. I bet it was already just sitting there waiting for them though. They built the rest. They built the rest, but that spirit Halloween store was just like, Hey, I'm here. I'm here, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm wondering, was that actually a green screen? Or was that a practical shot? Well, that, a, that, the whole mall is real, Shannon. They wow. built the whole mall. Yeah. That, That's I wanted nuts. To, yeah, I, I wanted to do research on that because I wanted to find out because I was like, this is a lot of money to put into one episode, you know? Because I remember how Rome was canceled because it was $3 billion an episode. Now it's like whatever, you know? Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break here and we'll jump into the last sections of the show, wrap up our review um, after we come back uh, after this. I don't know that one. So, Well, it was an attempt. I didn't do it well, <laughs> just like heaven. As soon as I started, I'm like, oh, that's off. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the spirit Halloween version. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So um, uh, we cut back to Joel at this point, who is suffering there as Ellie looks for products to help him in the house. And we cut back and forth between Ellie's flashback or Ellie's uh, uh, time in the past here to this time. We juxtapose them both. Ellie unleashes her. We're back in the mall. Ellie un unleashes her rage of them both being bit on the display case. 
over and just is shattering shit all over the place. I just saw an episode of Amazing Race from from season thirty, and one of the 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 roadblocks or detours is them having to smash shit to find clues inside of it. So I was like, this is great. I love the idea of unleashing on a. A display case, right? But this is also Ellie's just anger at the whole situation. I've never been able to be a child. I've had this specter hanging over me and I'm unleashing and now I'm going to die. And now I'm going to die, you know? And so just unleashing all that. But Riley is chill. Riley is sitting against the wall. Why? Because she has experienced death. She mentions her dad or her parents rather dying. Like it's not the first time she's seen a dead body because someone she loves has died, her parents. So She's much more calm about it, accepting of the situation. Eventually, she, Ellie sits down next to her. Riley says they have two options, either killing ourselves, uh, which she doesn't like, or we just keep going. Even if we have, as Michael mentioned, two seconds, two minutes, two hours, two days, two weeks, two months, two years, we have to keep going. We don't quit, and we'll lose our minds together. They hug and cry in a very beautiful coming-together moment as well. Then we head back to the farmhouse in present day of the show, and Ellie has, after ripping through everything, has found the needle and thread to come up and stitch Joel's wound, and she saves his life. And they have this great close-up of them holding hands like Joel realizes she's not going to leave her. She is going to stick around, and he really appreciates that. And she's, and we understand why she's doing it, because of what happened with her and Riley. She is not going to lose someone else that she cares about, and she believes that the time together with that person is what matters not just running off and staying alive. So just very, very powerful stuff here to end the episode. Michael, your thoughts on these final scenes here as we, as we went back and forth between the two. Uh, yeah, man, I was a mess. I was a mess. Well, because also, you know, when we first meet Ellie at the beginning of uh, the season, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. well aware of the fact that apparently she's not going to change. Like whatever's yes, happening right. with her, like she's fine. And I didn't even think about it until we watched it. Like that weird, she thought she was done. Like yes. this was it. Of course, of course she did. Like, why would you assume anything different? And had they taken the way out that, you know, option one, um, she would never have known. Right. So like in, in the world of zombie logic, all of us have seen enough movies to go like if if me and Shannon and Roca were all hiding out some at the Spirit Halloween store, obviously, sure, uh, and one of us gets bit, like you're like, okay, well you have to shoot your friend. Yeah. But this whole idea of let's spend this time together, that we can, uh, is kind of what saves Ellie, which which I which I found really really interesting. Mm. Um, I love just yeah the two completely different reactions, like the rage versus just the kind of resignation. Yeah. Um, and then I think like the speech that they have, the speech that Riley has just kind of this show over and over and over and over and over again is choose love. Mm. And, and what she says is kind of the most tragic version of it. I thought, Hey, give me, give me the pills in my wine and yeah. let me die. I'm making my choice was the most tragic thing. But I think that Riley and Ellie in this moment, uh, one up Bill and Frank, because this is. Ooh, I'm wow. going to turn into the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But I but I want I'm going to hold on to every single second with you that I can. Cuz like we just found each other and I'm going to make every single second count. And boy, that punched me in the gut. Like it was yeah. it was so sad. It was so upsetting, but it was also so beautiful. And then 
to kind of contrast that with her running around the house trying to find anything and just the desperation and finding that needle and thread and going down. And yeah, like that shot of them holding hands uh, harkens back to earlier in the episode when they first got there and Riley was dragging Ellie around to show her the surprises. They held hands and the camera kept sort of focusing on their hands. Uh, Kind of A tipping us off that there was a little bit of a romance going on again, but also just, again, another comparison between Riley and Ellie and Joel and Ellie. And I don't know. And and then also the other thing that I really kind of thought about was if you do the math, I forget what the exact number is, but Ellie says at the beginning uh, how long they've been keeping her there. I don't know if it's like 10 days or two weeks or Mm. how long that they've been keeping her chained up while they've been waiting to see if she was going to change. But whatever it is, it's not that far away from her having to kill Riley. Like, so she's still very much like this is not someone who, oh, she killed Riley. And that was a long time ago. Like when we catch up with her, all this shit that we saw in episode seven happened a week and a half ago, maybe. Um, And she's really still in the thick of all of that and then gets tossed over to Joel and Tess, who to her are complete strangers. Like it, it really informs a lot of who she is in those early episodes in a really interesting way. Like I like it's, it's, this is going to be a fun one to go back and rewatch. Yeah. And you imagine because she was going to leave the next day and she was in charge of the bombs, they were coming, they came to check on her. And when she didn't check in, yeah, they I mean, probably yeah. went to the mall and found her there, Ellie with Riley and had Ellie killed Riley at that point, or had they seen Riley turning? So maybe we'll get a little bit of a final scene with those two uh, and find out what happens. I don't know. I, to, to your point, I mean, yeah, like you can kind of do the math on basically what mm-hmm. happened, whether or not we ever get more information. But yes, yeah. clearly that was a Firefly stronghold. Yeah. They came to check on Riley. They found Riley dead. They found Ellie not dead. Uh, because Marlene has a past with Ellie's mother, perhaps that's why she didn't right. kill. Like, I'm, I'm really fascinated as to why they didn't just kill Ellie outright with a bite on her arm and what made them go, let's see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can like you, without getting the specifics, you can kind of fill in the gaps on what likely happened next. Yeah, for sure. Shannon, your thoughts on these last few scenes here. We went, as we went back and forth in time. Um, I mean, thinking about it now, like I, I think once this season is done, the show will be ripe for a rewatch, oh, like having all of the information and, and kind of, as Vogel said, kind of putting the pieces together, like, okay, how long ago was this? How long did it take Marlene to come up with this plan? to get to get Ellie to these to these scientists um again the the difference in how they react to being bit and Riley's line that I don't have verbatim hmm. but basically justifying why she is the way she is talking about the loss but also basically we're all going to the same place yeah um just some of us are going to get there quicker than others mm-hmm. and that's such that's such a beautiful way to look at it, but it's also such a heartbreaking way to look at it that that, that the maturity that I think Riley is kind of um, uh, uh, displaying in that moment kind of goes to show you why Fedra and Kwong are wrong. How yeah. like she yeah. was a troublemaker. We're going to put her in charge of people shoveling poop. Right. And you see this kind of wisdom beyond her years in moments that are, in moments that really matter. And I think that just sort of demonstrates the, um, 
the, the the fallacy in Fedra's way of doing things. Like we already know, you know, they're they're the the antagonists, they're the bad guys. Um, but this just sort of goes that one step further. Um, the watching Ellie trying to find because I was I was unclear what she was looking for mm, at mm. first. I was just like that there's you know, there's probably no medicine in there. Like, you know, you, that opening shot, you see that car up on blocks like anything that was useful is probably gone and then you see like she finds that needle and thread and i'm like oh my god they're gonna they're gonna first blood joel (laughs) Um, and but that moment where you see him grab grab her hand he 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 accepts that help like he he is starting to realize the way he is with her she is now with him yep like she's she she's not gonna leave him and the again we don't get a whole lot of pedro pascal in this episode but that moment of her starting to sew up the wound which is just excruciating um yeah i mean everything everything in the episode was just really really good i mean i don't i i'm trying to i'm trying to wrap my head around the the idea that someone like that this was a boring episode it didn't really do anything um because it just it doesn't make sense to me like i i certainly i i'm i leave the door open for all opinions but i'm kind of like god this just this explains a lot and again like i want to go back once the show is done and i just want to go from beginning to end and just watch the whole thing knowing knowing all the information now i imagine that watching the the season again is like for folks who have played the game watching the the show like knowing knowing the reasons why things are happening well, so, I mean, people bitched about Andor being too slow, right? I mean, it's just it's just a matter of taste and perspective and what you want to see from your content. And for some people, they just don't want to see these kind of slower episodes where we explore the relationship, explore the background of the character. Maybe there are people who just don't, only focused on Joel and only want to focus on Joel. Because certainly the game itself was focused on Joel more than Ellie. Even though they were together, we got way more of Joel's backstory in the game than we did Ellie's which is why we have that comic book that was through Dark Horse and then the Left Behind DLC to kind of flesh that out a little bit more in an answer to that criticism. So it's great to see that the show is definitely a two-hander. We're getting backgrounds to both of these people, Mm -hmm. and we have a Joel that's much more advanced in his journey from the beginning than he was when you start to play the game. So it's good to see that here uh, in, in in this particular iteration of this story yeah and i love the back and forth i love the symbolism of what that means for ellie and it's it makes her even it's so weird it feels like she's getting older as the as the weeks go by on the show i don't know what that is it's smart because she seemed like younger but as we're even when she's there sewing up she seems like an older version of herself even a little tessian like if i may in the way she's kind of taking care of joel Uh, so i like that we're getting that kind of thing that energy happening with her and certainly with the scenes that are being previewed for next week she's going to have a much more active role here as joel's recovering as they get taken in by a new group of people so i'm looking forward to that as well um michael any final words uh, and then we'll go to shannon any final words here on this episode yeah just look this this series as a whole is just all about like vulnerability being vulnerable versus not being vulnerable yeah. having empathy like you know whether it's like whether it's like Bill with Frank, whether Joel on his journey with Ellie uh, to slowly like let somebody else be a protector uh, or Ellie uh, on her journey as, you know, opening up and letting people and like, this is a show, like I've said before, like it's just everything is about 
how important love is, uh, not just for survival, but just to thrive as a human being. And so like, and you know, and like every episode is just sort of a new take on that. And you can just, we talked about this, we talked about this for the past several weeks, like the, the, the dual, the duality of like these characters, whether it be Joel and Tess, Joel and Sarah, Joel and Ellie, Bill and Frank. And now you just add Ellie and Riley to that pile. And we're just seeing this story told over and over and over and over again through different perspectives. And they're really just nailing it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, throw in Joel and Tommy as well. Tommy finding love in yeah. that new town, helping him to forgive himself for the things he did when he was with Joel. So that's also an element yeah. of this as well. I think it's good to look at as well. Uh, Shannon, your final thoughts on this episode? I mean, the episode, I think you guys kind of kind of nailed kind of nailed it already. Um, the, the show is, you know, just a, a really exceptional, a really exceptional series. And knowing that this is by far the most well done video game adaptation mm. that we have. Um, one hopes that this will open the door for more of those stories to be told and to be told in the right way. Yeah. Um, having having respect for that source material. Um, like, I can't help but think that the folks over at Sony are like, eh, maybe we shouldn't have cast Mark Wahlberg as Sully in Uncharted <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> after, after watching this. Like, eh, maybe we could have done a better job with some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's hoping women are talking. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what? (laughs) No, I was going to say just here's hoping that um, the 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 right lessons are being learned when it comes to not just um, adapting a a game, but also adapting just an IP, like adapting a pre-existing property. I was, I was I was having uh, I was having brunch with some friends yesterday and we were just talking about storytelling. We were talking about Marvel movies. We were talking about Quantum Mania, but Last of Us kind of falls into this too. Is that I think that we as as people who enjoy, particularly as geeks who enjoy big special effects bonanzas, we love like a third act, blow up the Death Star, uh, get the Infinity Gauntlet away from Thanos. Like we love these big things, and I think sometimes it's easy for studios, it's easy for us to think that's what we're really wanting to see but when we see a movie that has that without anything else we're never satisfied and when we see something like last of us where they've pulled way back on the infected like in the game in the dlc riley and ellie face a bunch of infected like they're they're like they're running all through the mall there's a bunch of them and they pulled way back on that and just gave us one because we're way more no matter what studios think no matter what critics think no matter what anybody tells you uh, and i think this is why video game adaptations have been so maligned for so long is that they think that oh well everybody shot a bunch of creatures they want to see this they want to see that and the reason we love these characters and the stories that we love is always a, just a base emotion a base connection it is a this person loves this person and wants to protect them this person wants to be with this person and uh that's the thing underneath it and last of us is just keyed in on oh we don't we'll give them a little bit of this other stuff but if we just do this people are going to love it and they do yeah exactly donkey kong just wants his barrels what's the problem but was in those barrels (laughs) i agree with you mike no but no it's on this very good point for sure and i'm sure shannon was thinking of that assassin's creed interpretation as well Uh, maybe doing a better version of that down the road which would be a lot of fun in the hands of someone like craig mazin at HBO Max, and a, a much more grittier, <laughs> darker approach to Assassin's Creed could be a lot of fun. All I right, mean, I'll just take it. I'll just take a good one. <laughs> I'll just take a good one. <laughs> Fair enough. 
All right, there we go. There's our spoiler review here for episode seven, Left Behind of The Last of Us. Thank you all so much for joining us, whether you're watching or listening to us. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? If you like horrible puns, John Hughes movies, and most importantly, the Spirit Halloween Store, we are the podcast for you because we cover all of it. Um, and here's what you guys can do to help us keep doing what we are doing. You can smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, and check out all the amazing content he has got there. Leave your comments below. What did you think of this episode? Were you one of the people that were bored? Let us know why. Were you one of the people that loved it and cried your face off? Let us know why. Uh, tell us below. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave Leave us some stars and some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, tell it to your friends. Nope. Send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. That's the right way to say it. We got there. We got there. And of course, big shout out to Carbon Health who continues to power and sponsor us on the Geek Buddies. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com where they have approved all of Mike Vogel's opinions. Head on over there to MyCarbonHealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket for all those healthcare questions, concerns, or needs on the go. When you've been a bit at a, a spirit Halloween store for sure and get it taken care of today you guys are awesome thanks so much for joining us on a real quick personal note today we're doing our final the top 10 show tonight live at 6 p.m pt on the top 10 youtube channel so if you want to come hang out with us me and matt knows as we say goodbye please come and uh, take a look at that and hang out with us live there at 6 p.m pt on the top 10 youtube channel all right there you go y'all take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the geek Buddies! Hey! Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?